here in a minute. We've been working on a series entitled All of Christ in All of Me. All of Christ in All of Me. When Jesus departed to go back to heaven, he said that he was going to leave us. He must go so the Holy Spirit can come. The Holy Spirit being the third part of our triune God. So this Holy Spirit now lives in all of us who have accepted Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior. Now, this Holy Spirit's job is to teach us everything that Jesus has said and also direct our paths. So when we say all of Christ in all of me, we say the Holy Spirit represents Jesus. He represents God. That's who's living in us. Now, Jesus gave his life for us so he could give his life to us so he could live his life through us. Who better to live the Christian life but Christ himself? So what does he require of us? He requires of us this state of obedience, this state of becoming a living sacrifice, living for him, dying to ourselves. That's good news, isn't it? Now, that doesn't mean it's easy, but it's important that we get that. We are living Sacrifices. We are progressively being transformed from what we used to be to becoming a better tool and instrument of God to use to hit for God to be manifested in the earth. Does everybody get that today? So as we talk about all of Christ in all of me, let's move into this particular one we're going to do today. This one is called We Have a New Master. A New Master. And I'll read to you this quick little paragraph. It says, We Have a New Master. Who has opened the door to eternal salvation, which we access by faith, not by works of the flesh, the sinful nature or selfishness. So today we wanted to talk about flesh. We want to talk about this, uh, this situation that the sinful nature or the flesh battles against Our spirit or battles against the Holy Spirit. Now, this is where we live at as human beings. But I need you to know this today. Let's make something plain. Sinful nature actually means selfishness. How many of us know, can really admit that we are selfish people? Things have to be about us or we want them to be about us. And depending on how deep that is in you will determine how much of a problem you'll cause in society, in your home, on your job, in all these places. Because if everything has to be about you, then that means it's not going to be about the other people. So it's not going to be a place of harmony around you because everything has to be about you. So our sinful nature and that selfishness are the same thing. Are y'all following me today? So one of the things that you'll see in society, and you can always tell because we're going to talk about the fruits of the sinful nature or selfishness, and you'll be able to recognize exactly what I'm talking about. You have either been that person or you've been around that person. It's okay to have been that person, but because we are progressively being transformed, you are no longer that person. It's no longer about you. See, one of the great things about coming to Jesus, the paradigm shifts. Everything changes in the world. Oh, it's about self. It's about what you can get, what you can achieve, all of those things. But with Christ, it's about you dying. So he lives through you. So now 
what enters in is this battle. Works. Works. Think about this. Jesus died on the cross, right? When he died, he paid for all of our sins, correct? Now, you've got to believe that, but if you don't, then you think there's something else you're supposed to do. So I've been teaching this for a while, and I just want to reiterate it right now. The finished work of Christ means he died on the cross. He paid for everything. Whatever we owed, the debt that we owed God, Jesus paid. Completely, thoroughly, the books have been reconciled. Therefore, you are reconciled to God. So you do not work to try to get right with God. You work because you are right with God. So you then become this minister of reconciliation. Our job now becomes to tell other people when you accept Jesus, you become reconciled to God. So our work should be from that standpoint. There's a lot of people still teaching, hey, you better get yourself right with God. You better get yourself right with God. I heard a song the other day that said, if, if you want to go to heaven, you better treat your neighbor right. I don't think that's the I don't think that's the standard. If you want to go to heaven, accept Jesus Christ, because he is the way, the truth and the life. He is the door. He's the only way. You know, again, once you accept him and you understand who he is, he working through you will love your neighbor. Are you all getting this today? Are you sure? See, you thinking you'll love your neighbor so you can go to heaven is faulty. It won't work. You have to realize that Jesus has already opened the door. The access to eternal salvation has been provided by Jesus. So we work from this standpoint. I am a child of God. Therefore, I do great stuff for the body of Christ so others can become children of God. My father loves me. He loves you. How much? Completely because he sent his son to die for us. Somebody say amen. Amen. So what do we want to do? We want to have some fun with this today because this is going to expand your understanding of how unimportant in this context works are. Now, don't get me wrong because, again, doing great stuff for God doesn't mean that I'm doing it to get his attention I'm doing it because I have a great God who loves me. I can't help but do stuff to get people to see this God like I see this God. So let's go to our first verse. And it's going to be in Galatians chapter 3. And all our verses today are from the message translation. So we're just about to have some fun. So again, if you want to take some notes, you know what you got to do. Get the pencil. If you want to call somebody, now's the time to do so. Galatians chapter 3, we're going to begin to read at verse number 1. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, the message translation. And it reads as follows. I like this part. You crazy Galatians. Paul didn't, he, you know, he wasn't hesitating, was he? <laughs> you crazy Galatians. Did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened. For it is obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. 
His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think that they could complete by their own efforts what God, what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you can perfect it? Isn't this powerful? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? It is not yet a total loss, but it will certainly be if you keep this up. So Paul is eloquently sharing the proper position we take as Christians. The finished work of Christ. Jesus has done it all. I accept that into my life. Now I work to let other people know. I work so there's a place for people to learn about the fact that Christ has already provided this for them. If you think, okay, Jesus, great. I like what you did on the cross. That was pretty cool, but I'll take it from here. How can you complete something you didn't even know to start? You didn't even know how to approach God, how to get in with God. You thought all these rules and regulations would make it happen, but you couldn't do it that way because the word of God says, if you violated one of them, you violated all of them. So that was a no win situation from the very beginning. But still we have people who think that, oh, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't cuss, I don't. But you ain't got out of bed yet. Wait till you get out of bed. Then you'll be cussing and stuff. But listen to me. It's important that we understand this is no longer about us. This is about what Jesus provided for us. So it's not about our selfishness. It's about Jesus. And see, if you think that you are doing this yourself, then you become a competitive Christian. A competitive Christian is one who's always measuring what they are doing in comparison to somebody else. And a competitive Christian will always need to find somebody who is doing less than them because that's how they measure the relationship. I want to free you of that today. Jesus has done it all. I don't care what you did. You'd never be able to amount to the same level of the sacrifice that Christ gave for us. So stop, take a deep breath and go, okay, Lord, let me do this paradigm shift from this standard. Jesus, you died for me and you gave me total access to eternal salvation. From this point, I live from now on. This is how I do my work. This is what I do. This is how I do it. This is why I do it because you have done it all. Amen. Does that make sense? Well, let's go to our next verse because this is where the battle takes place. Again, Paul is addressing these Galatians because something is coming up now. Their, their sinful nature, their selfishness is starting to rise in them. And they're kind of taking it back 
to the Jewish view of all these rules and regulations. I need you to know that was that's such a mindless way of living that you always have to compare yourself to someone else. It is so mindless and it has no real victory because as soon as you feel comfortable about overcoming this person, somebody else will walk into the room and you'll have to do it all over again. Where Jesus, God said, Jesus did it this way so no man could boast that he leveled the playing field because the only one who opened that door was him. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. We'll begin to read at number, verse number 13. Again, the message translation. I pray God this is helpful to you today. It says, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. So we've been set free for a purpose. I said we've been set free for a purpose. We're going to read on and it's going to tell us what that that purpose is. It says, rather use your freedom. To serve one another in love. Man, how powerful is that? Listen to me. He has set us free from all of the stuff that kept us from loving each other. He has set us free from all of the mental garbage that kept us separated from one another. That we are now free to be able to love each other. Man, I sure hope you all are getting this this morning. It's important for us to grasp it because we want to apply it in our lives. So rather use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Man, I love the word of God. Love others as you love Yourself. He just said that everything was summed up in that one sentence. And you've been set free to love someone else. Been set free to love your brother. That's pretty powerful. That's why we've been set free. You have not been set free to prove to me how much you love God, but don't love me. I need you to get that today. There's no need in trying to prove to people how much you love God when you don't love them. That's a scenario that is twisted. It's wrong. It does not work. You've been set free. Jesus has paid the price so you could have the freedom to know. That God loves you. He has reconciled you to him. So now you can go and reconcile yourself to your brother. You can go and have a relationship with your brother and sister. You can go and love on people. Is this making sense to anybody today? It's important that we, we gather this. Listen closely. It says, that's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you will be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? Can you see the ills and the sicknesses that are in society right about now? Can you see what's happening? Why? Because we're not using our freedom the way we're supposed to use our freedom. Our freedom allows us to love each other. 
Well, that takes too much, Pastor Ben. I, I, don't, I don't think I can do that. Have fun with the rest of your journey because I don't know how that's going to work for you. Because if freedom grows by you learning to love other people, then not loving other people means that your freedom is going to shrink. And as it shrinks, you're going to be mad that people are taking your freedom away. Boy, I sure hope you all are hearing me today. God is good. Let me finish this. It says, my counsel is this. Live freely. Animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. You won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit. So I need you to see this. This sinful nature or this selfishness, there's a root of that in all of us. (laughs) And it says don't feed that because it is against the spirit that is working in us. So we are looking to be led by something or to follow something. So we have these two different entities. We have the sinful nature that's in us, the selfishness. And then we have the Holy Spirit who wants us to do something different. Are y'all following me? So this is in all of us. But listen closely. It says, this is at odds with the free spirit. Just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. So if we've been set free to love one another selfishness will say, I don't have to love you because loving you will cost me time and effort and I ain't got time for that. But (laughs) the Holy Spirit says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. So love is this entity that we're supposed to have to share with others because God shared his son with us So we could be free so we could repeat that action through the fact that that Jesus now lives in us through the Holy Spirit so we can go and make other folks free. Is this making sense? But if it's about you, then you won't do that. You'll spend a tremendous amount of time trying to prove to everybody how holy you are. And it doesn't work if you don't love your brother. Making sense? I know this is, you know, every now and then there comes these like hard sermons that you just got to, you got to get it because it's important. It says, this is at odds with the free spirit. Just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness, these two ways of life are anti-ethical. So that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day why don't you choose to be led by the spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of law dominated existence choose choose to be led choose isn't it wonderful god gave us free will you can choose to be led of his spirit or your other choice is selfishness now we're about to Talk about what the fruits of these two different choices are. So, again, as we go through this, you'll have an opportunity to choose again. Now, I need you to get this. You ready? 
both of these things are in us. Both this sinful nature and the Holy Spirit. So it's going to be, which one are you going to choose? Because one will benefit you and the other will not. Somebody say amen. But you're going to have to choose. Sometimes on a daily basis, you're going to have to choose to follow the spirit. Let's read this thing. Verse 19. It says, it is obvious the kind of life. Excuse me. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Why is this important? You will try to accomplish something through selfishness that doesn't have any benefit. So you will compare yourself with others. Now, if you come across somebody who you presume is better than you or closer to God than you, because that's the kind of filter that you use to make your judgments by. Now that person becomes an enemy. And if that person becomes an enemy, then you have to do something about that person or do something to that person. You will begin to talk about that person or try to degrade that person or devalue that person. Anybody understanding this today? So this stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage is real. Let me read on. Frenzied and joyous, joyless grabs for happiness. Can never be happy if your happiness depends on the value of another human being. Instead of the value that Christ has provided for you. Oh, I need you to get it today because I see so many people who are stuck on competitive Christianity. Stuck. You got to have somebody. I watched a program the other day and it was kind of funny. I, I don't know if you've ever heard this term, but there was, I was, it was a crime program and some crime happened in this community. And they interviewed this man and he said these words that I'm sure all of us have heard before. That kind of stuff doesn't happen here. And it always strikes me as though, okay, so then where does that stuff happen? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like. It don't happen in my community. It happens over there. Now, if it happens over there, I'm good with that because it's over there. But if we go back to what God told us to do, our freedom means that we are to love our neighbors. We are to love our brothers. We shouldn't want it to happen anywhere. Does that make sense to anybody? It's important for us to get this. Listen, we compare ourselves with other people and we have to stop doing this because it's destructive to our spirits. It's destructive to our minds. It gives us a mental and emotional garbage because you have to create a world that really doesn't exist so you feel good in it. Where the real world says God has already given you validity. Because his son's blood has washed you clean. You are valid because of the blood of Jesus. 
not because you find somebody that you think you're better than or that that crime should happen in their community instead of yours. Somebody say amen. Frenzy and joyous grabs for happiness. Trinket gods. Magic show religion. (laughs) Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming yet never satisfied once. A brutal temper. An impotence to love or to be loved. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on. Thank you for stopping there, Paul, because that was quite extensive. <laughs> that was quite powerful. You say, well, Pastor Ben, no, that all come. That's a possibility of happening in every one of us if we do not let the spirit guide us. Then that only leaves us with this sinful nature or this selfishness that creates these kinds of behaviors. I hope this is making sense to you today. I pray, God, that even if you see yourself in any of those descriptions, we are progressively growing. We are progressively being transformed. And we want to thank God for that today. Have I reached perfection in this area? No. Now, there's times every now and then I'd like to lay hands on somebody. (laughs) But I don't. But I have to sit down. I have to gather myself. I have to go, no, this is not the way you wanted me to do this, Lord. Help me. Move me forward. Let me exercise my freedoms in the right way. This isn't the first time I have warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. You will not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others. Wow. Exuberance about life. Oh, man. (laughs) Excited about living. Excited about seeing the next day. I know this has got to be hitting some of us dead in our chest right now. Because when we get caught up in seeing the chaos and thinking that the chaos is uncontrollable, we lose excitement for seeing another day. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things. A sense of compassion in the heart. And a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. 
Every single breathing human being is a potential Christian. I said every breathing human being on the planet earth is a potential Christian. It's not our job to determine their eternity. That's God's job. It is our job to understand where we are and want them to be where we are so we share this truth with them. But hear me today. Don't judge others. Don't try to determine who is going where. Because somebody could have met you when there was a certain behavior in your life or a certain time in your life that you were doing some stuff. And if they could have met, if they had the power to determine your eternity, you wouldn't be here right now. Are y'all understanding me? So we can't do that to somebody else. So you got to have compassion. Compassion gives you the room to allow others to go through whatever they're going through. Yeah, I heard people say dumb stuff, right? Have you ever said anything dumb? Don't raise your hand because you don't have to. I know you have. I know I have. You say some dumb stuff. Do you want to be judged by that dumb stuff? Do you want your eternity to be judged by that, that dumb stuff? No. So when we hear people say dumb things or crazy things, God is not done with them yet. Oh, man, I hope you're getting this today. It says we find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessity is killed off for good, crucified. Again, we're not to be like the world. Fruit that should appear in us should be compassion, patience, love. Oh, listen to me. It doesn't mean that it's perfectly done that way every day. But when you catch yourself wrong, stop. Don't continue to go in a direction you know does not work. You cannot reach God through your efforts. God is already satisfied with the sacrifice of Jesus. So the disciples asked God, so what work should we do, Lord? What, what work should we do? I think it's John chapter 6, verse 29. He said, the work you should do is to believe in the one whom God has sent. That's what we do. That's the work we do. We'll say, Pastor, should I pay my tithes? Of course you do. But you shouldn't pay them thinking that God's going to love you more because you pay tithes. They tried to tell to give us these scenarios in the Bible. The lady didn't have a lot of money. She didn't have anything. But she gave what she had. So you think because you got a lot to give, God should be well pleased. No, he's well pleased in the sacrifice of Jesus. We give because it's the right thing to do. We tithe because it's the right thing to do. I give because my God has given me more than I can ever give. He gave me Jesus. He gave me eternity. He gave me forgiveness. I can never outdo that, so I don't try. But I give. I 
time. I do these things because he first gave me. Does this make sense to you today? I got one quick verse and I may not read all of them, but we're going to close with this. Romans chapter six, Romans chapter six. Is this helping you today? Verse 12 says, that means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Hmm. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Meaning just cut it off. When you feel that anger rising up in you, when you feel that vengeance rising up in you, when you feel that stuff rising up in you, stop. Don't run the errand for that because you'll sit in your house and you'll plan how to hurt, how to deceive, how to break that person. That sin, you don't want anything to do with that because sin has been defeated for you. Does that make sense to you today? So figure, hey, wait, whoa, man, I'm thinking kind of strange right now. I need to stop this. I need to stop this because this is not what God called me to. This is not why he freed me. Almost there. It says, throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. What is true freedom? What God has provided for you. Are you free today? Can you taste that freedom just a little bit more? Can you understand how important it is to know that you've been set free to serve the living God, but also to love your brother and sister? What a fun time we live in, isn't it? What a fun time. Well, I'm having such a hard time because I don't like the way those people walk. I don't like the way they talk. I don't like the way they vote. I don't like the way they, eh, eh, eh. Ain't no voting in heaven. Stand before Jesus and go, you know what? I did that to them because I didn't like the way they voted. Jesus goes, ain't no voting up here, brother. No, I just, I know I'm not being facetious. I'm trying to get us to understand that we've been drawing a line in the sand over things that have no eternity and they have no real freedom in them. You've been set free. So let's practice growing our freedom by having compassion, love, patience for others. Let them see this God through us. That they can know there's a God who loves them just as they are. You come to him just as you are. And the more you understand about him, you progressively are transformed into what God wants you to be. We got a new master today, brothers and sisters. That master is Jesus through the Holy Spirit who gives us a new way to live. All of Christ and all of me. Let's go and express this to others today. Let's fight through this selfishness and become what God has called us to be.
I thank you for hanging out with us today. I thank you for sharing your time with us today. I pray, God, that this is beneficial to you. Come back next week. We got a little bit more, a couple more weeks of all of Christ in all of me. Looking forward to serving you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.